This week's episode of Geek in the City Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, Wandering Monster. Go check them out at wanderingmonster.com. Uh, Wandering Monster is where you can book, uh, where you can, uh, book yourself into public or private D&D sessions ran by Greg Barrett. You've heard him on the show many times with, uh, building character, the D&D segment. And Wandering Monster is just now kicking off all their, uh, gaming slots for the month of October. There are all kinds of new, uh, adventures that are coming in for the month of October. Depending on what kind of play you want to do, he's running the Sunken Citadel. He's still got the uh, Storytellers Workshop, kind of help you work out how to run combat in your own D&D game. Warriors of the Witchfire, which i thinking has something to do with some Fae, I had to guess, I don't know. But anyway, uh, the October classes are now available for booking. They do fill up fast, so like, don't waste, don't like, like, oh, I'll check in the first weekend of October or whatever. Like, no, they, they fill up quickly because they are fantastic adventures ran by a fantastic dungeon master. So check it out. Wandering Monster. Find them online at wandering-monster.com. And when you book a session, let them know that you heard about them on Geek in the City Radio. It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues a day into which we must delve. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back to 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright. Hello, welcome to issue 615 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I am one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hajitani. What's up, everybody? Hi. Hello. I stabbed Hi. myself in the eye right before the show started, so I... Awesome. Had my, Hot. I had to put tight, my contacts tight, tight. in. Tight. Tight. Seems like a, tight, tight, tight. Seems like a strange thing to do, but, you know, it's a weird I mean, it wasn't, in, it wasn't by choice. You know, these things just happen. Yeah. Do they? Well, they do if you're a person who puts mascara on sometimes. Mm. And my mascara wand happens to be very sharp and stabby. I think of all of the makeups that I've ever applied, I don't think I've ever worn mascara. Best product, unless you're like really going out of your way to find like the good kind because it's a really waxy product and getting it on and taking it off is actually more damaging to your eyelashes than if you were to just leave them be. Yeah, okay. I had that split second where I'm like, wait, am I thinking of something else? Is mascara not the thing that goes on your eyelashes? But it is. Okay. No, you're good. And sometimes you stab yourself in the eye. And uh, for those who do not have, like, a lot of knowledge from eyeball medical people, if you ever stab yourself in the eye and it's, like, really tender, wear your contacts instead of your glasses. And it's basically a little bandage to protect your eye. Uh, Or don't stab yourself in the eye. Again, not on purpose. Oh. I mean, eh. Eh. Mascara is the one thing I will never need because my eyelashes are luscious and perfect. Well, some of us aren't quite so lucky. So That's true. 
I make up for it with crippling self-doubt. Oh, see, and I don't That's have that. That's a horrible trade-off. I have, like, I'm, like, this far away from having, you know, just, like, the, the confidence of a mediocre white man. That's a powerful confidence. That's right? a lot of confidence. It's, I think it's an unmerited amount of confidence, you guys. It is. That's like that's like Matt Peterson level of confidence. That's a 1% joke for old Emerson listeners that are tuning in. All right. Yep. I had to give I had to throw him a bone every once in a while. I think it's going well though. I think it's working well for me, you know. It's good. How was everyone's weekend? We're uh, we're killing. Well, I feel like we're not killing time. We have a we have a guest coming on around seven. Um, Gwen Callahan at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Spooky, spooky, and I'm so excited because, because we're, we're gonna be on there. the yeah we're on the cusp of spooky season. <laughs> like a, like intense because <laughs> August first is when I start to feel the pull beyond the normal. Sure, pull, you know. Do you also get that initial ping back in April where it's like six months? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ping. Six months. Six months especially, away. Nothing. Especially anyone who was who is friends with Edelin because she will just start. Countdown starts at a like, hundred. Yeah, and like or like at landmark days, you know, like two hundred days, one hundred and fifty, and then yeah, then it's the countdown from the double from from triple digits to double digits. Yeah. And and I, I believe everyone in this crew is part of the. Um, if I'm thinking about my, my Halloween costume in August, I'm already too late. <laughs> That's not I, true. I only just started working on costumes today. Yeah, I'm you're too late. Two. That that's. I, I I mean, usually that's one of those things that I've thought about and prepared for and and started planning in July. Uh, yeah, I, well, I'm unemployed, so I have like twice as much time as everybody else. Fair, that's fair. And I am notoriously bad at preparing a costume. Like mm-hmm. I'll run around with ideas, but then I would. I think I'm just gonna kind of cheat this year and just go as Laszlo from what we do in the shadows. I just need a slightly longer black hair wig, um, and then I've got the right kind of like roofy goth Victorian goth clothing that I can pull that off. Laszlo and not um, Nandor. No, not Nandor, because I like doing Matt Berry's voice more. <laughs> Let's hear your Matt Berry voice. I can't do it under pressure now. Now it's too Oh, much. okay. I have to be Oh, my God. Story. Speaking of doing Matt Berry voice, uh, so I'm still only two episodes in, in this season of uh, What We Do in the Shadows. The, season, um, the, cur- the current season? The current season. Okay. But that was the episode that had Nandor, the actor did impressions of yeah. Colin Robinson, uh, Laszlo, and then Guillermo. Holy <laughs> fuck, that was the funniest so thing good. ever. So good. There was um, one point and where I, I, and I almost... almost I, it was so good, I thought it might be a dub. Yeah, I, I, I did too when it was uh, his, Colin Robinson. His, his Laszlo voice is probably, quote, the worst of the three, and now I kind of wonder if he does that on purpose as a caricature of Matt Berry slash Laszlo. A, a little <laughs> bit. Like, yeah. you could tell it, like, that's when I knew it's like, oh, wait, no, that's the actor doing Matt Berry. But while the voice wasn't quite there, all of his mannerisms were perfect. Like, everything sold. Yeah. Um, I think his best one was Guillermo. It was really good. 
because yeah. it was so locked in and so tight, just just so tightly wound, the same way that Guillermo is all the mm-hmm. time. Poor Guillermo. This most recent one is. It, I mean, they've all been great, but this most recent one is. I think this is the season because you know they always build up to a moment like halfway mm-hmm. through, and then it has to pay off the rest of the way. Yep. Um, I think this is the episode where they've hit that moment and now they're all going to start paying off. Like I'm willing to bet by next episode, we're going to see who's ever behind that door. Like the master, the first vampire. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also am a big fan of the addition of Kristen Shaw to the, to the cast. So great. She's she's great in anything. Like she if, really if she's is. involved, I will watch it, even if I'm not, even if I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. Generally speaking, yeah. yeah. I, I fell in love with her during the second season. Yeah, no, when the first season, she was in first season. Yeah, was she? Watch your step here. I don't have to. I glide. Oh, from when they forever, had to go before like, the council. No, it's just a freaky long hallway. <laughs> but I think my first line of her in that episode is when Guillermo goes to grab the torch. She's like, what are you doing? I'm warming my hands. Well, it's an LED torch. If we had real fire down here, the fire marshal would have a fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn, that was funny. That was, yeah. that was the line that every haunter went, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ah, uh, the fire marshal. We love him and we hate him. Spoilers of Halloween fun. What's the yep. point of being scared if there isn't a chance to be set on fire? Yeah, it makes me feel bad for the city of Vancouver. Vancouver, get yourself a new get yourself a new fire marshal. I know it's like a safari I'm sorry, marshal what? touted footloose. So I discovered, um, and this is kind of teasing um, what we did over the weekend and who we're going to have. Uh, on next week when we were out at uh, hour to midnight uh, over the weekend um, I had been talking with uh, Tom and Ed and Tom was telling me about the fact that uh, there are no haunts in Vancouver like there's the scaregrounds out at the the Washington fairgrounds but even like a lot of the people that work there have been moving their haunts out of the area and that is because the fire marshal for the city of vancouver hates haunts he hates yeah and doesn't want them anywhere in the city at all ever yeah they're yeah it's just about hate hate and fun which is really weird because we get a lot of people coming over the river from vancouver to go to portland haunts they really want to be scared so that's fine. More money for Portland. Yeah, that's. I mean, sure, take it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was sneezing, and I, I, I think I missed the part where you explained why he hates them. I don't know why. He just does. And so, and because of that, like he's apparently, uh, according to Tom, he has straight up told um, a haunter, "It's like we don't want you here." Wow. Yeah. I think it's the person who used to, who's moving from the scaregrounds to Oaks Park. And yet mm. he won't chase out Nazis or Proud Boys from Vancouver. I wonder why hmm. that is. Because they're Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it, I'm sorry, if anyone with badges aren't arresting Proud Boys and Nazis, it's because they're also Proud Boys and Nazis. Uh, or they're not arresting them yeah. because they're there on their day off being a Proud Boyer. Right, right. <laughs> the yep. same reason why you'd ever see Batman and Bruce Wayne in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. There we go. That, I think that's the most Except concise because way of that you can explain that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want to respond to something that uh, Sack just put in the chat. The Crypto Zoo. This is not the first time I have heard about the Crypto Zoo being uh, awesome. Uh, it's up in St. John's. It is not a haunt. It is just a, a zoo of cryptological um, oddities. So mm-hmm. check it out if you're a Portlander. Please wear a mask. Please be vaccinated. Yeah. I, I will say... I've heard uh, of this place. Does it ever gone by any other name? I think it's new. It just popped up. Oh, okay. Or- I know that or- Oregon Live actually had a good write-up of all the spooky things happening in October in the metro area. Mm. Yay. And it's weird to say Oregon Live had a good write-up about whatever, but... <laughs> Oh, Oregon Live is the the Oregonian. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, no. Uh, I was thinking about one of the morning news programs. And oh, yeah. No, they're pretty okay. Yeah. I don't like the fact that all of them seem to be owned by the same news conglomerate so that they oh. have to read conservative script. But All Sinclair. Know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do, do. If a person uh, says they hate haunts, <laughs> that person is A, religious, or B, had cut and made fun of for being their pants. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like the, there's the, there's the, you know, the, the average person who just does not like to be frightened. Um, but I assume in this context, we're talking about like someone like this, this fire commissioner who is preventing other people from having the fun. There is. <sighs> So with haunts, it does have a history of uh, Halloween and haunted houses get uh, the rap of their satanic. And mm-hmm. if you are a modern, if you grew up in modern Christianity, which is not Christianity, Correct. Um, uh, current American Christianity thinks that almost everything is satanic or evil. Um, I honestly believe that American Christians believe more in satan um and hell than they do god oh they do like modern evangelicals are more obsessed with satan and gay sex than my gay satanist than all the uh, than all the good (laughs) things that one should be you know be focused on as a religious person yeah yeah um i am i almost hurt myself trying not to laugh over cable uh Sack says that uh, getting made fun of for being in your pants because of a haunted house is called the trouser baptismal. <laughs> oh, uh, that's good. Sack, you're a monster. <laughs> um, you're I, a monster. I should mention, as a, a person who's worked in a haunt where people have peed their pants, that is that is not the bragging right that <laughs> y- monsters would think. <laughs> or you would uh, think that uh, haunt monsters would have largely because you have to pull everyone out of the haunts. You have to have co- um, custodians clean everything up. Uh-huh. It's a bodily fluid. So it is treated as hazardous waste. Right. Yeah. We actually, everything has to stop. I think it was a few years ago. It might've been the last time we actually were able to take the show 
like interview Helfrey while walking through the haunt during mm-hmm. the daytime. And I think one of us asked, like, is it, I mean, like, what's the badge of honor? Like making a guest pee themselves from being scared? He's like, no, actually, <laughs> that is no. awful. Please, mm-hmm. no, that's horrible when that happens. And here's why. And it's everything Cable just said. Yep. He's like, it shuts us down basically for an hour. Um, I think he still has the um, bragging rights for the best scare of all of Fright Town. And he said, um, said he watched this group come in. Um, I'm going to use some of his description. He said it was clearly a a queen bitch and 12 of her friends, male and female, but she was clearly in charge. Everybody looked like that they had taken all of their fashion cues from Jersey shore. Um, oh my. And it was nothing but attitude. They were all attitude. They paid for their tickets, got to the center between the haunts we're trying to look at looking at the Hans, trying to figure thing out. Dave comes over and starts doing his Baron gig. And they're like clearly unimpressed. She looks him up and down, goes, yo, are there clowns in there? And he's like, oh, yes. Yes. All the clowns you could ever want. She's like, hey, we out. And they all left. They didn't go through a single haunt. All he said was, <laughs> yes, we have clowns. And they went, oh, fuck this and left. After paying their money, they didn't ask for anything back. They just went, no, <laughs> fuck this, we're out. Uh, like a poor way to go through life. <laughs> but it, like, for all their bravado, like, it was perfect. Dave was like, I win. I win Halloween. <laughs> I just scared people and didn't do a goddamn thing. That is still so awesome. Yeah, my favorite haunt experience to this day has been playing a clown in the museum. Was was <sighs> team team honk honk? Yep, I was just uh, reminiscing with uh, Matt Grigsby about that yesterday on Twitter. Oh yeah, that that was one of my favorite uh, haunt memories. Was the four of you filling in the clown room? We were disgusting. Oh yeah, you were great. We yeah, we were. Yeah, we all leaned into like, you know what, if we get sweaty, even better and yep. gross. It was and you, we'd like lick our Matt, lips. Mm-hmm. Jesse oh. and Ryan. And you yeah. just, you leaned into it hard. Oh, yeah. I, I still cannot hear London Bridges falling down without thinking of the four of you as clowns. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was great. We just started singing it like off key. Yep. Like I made sure I had like a little bit of mucus Creepy in the back giggling. of my throat as I sang it. Yeah, I could hear them in the main hall. And <laughs> the clown room is far removed from the main hall. It was so much fun. Mm, yep. The facts. That was also the night that I knew Greg Nibbler and Sarah Dillon were coming through. <laughs> and I think Dave told me he's like, they're here. So I told everyone their names. All of it. I gave them like every little like tidbit they could. So we just tormented those two was fantastic yep uh Uh. my my favorite is still the very very first time i did a haunt and uh i was right up next to the uh the head of oribus so it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. like a double whammy because i had a box slam uh gig and someone was already like peak fear they're coming up on the very end of this haunt and they're like rushing, they're rushing, almost running. And then the head of Orbis 
comes out and they like freak out and start to double back. And then I, you know, pop out of the box slam and now they have to turn back around the way they came and they have to get around the head. So they, they didn't duck walk out of the room. They duck ran out of the room, just like screaming (laughs) and running and crouching. And uh, it was just so, so satisfying. For our listeners uh, who have never attended Fright Town, the head of Orbis is a puppet. And <laughs> saying puppet like gives you, it's like, oh, what, who's scared of a puppet? Like it is a head the size of a person. It is approximately three and a half feet tall by about five feet long. And it is a horse skull done up with muscle musculature and, and teeth and it looks horrifying and it's operated on this big swinging boom uh-huh. it, it has counterbalances and weights but it's in a dark dark portion and so you just think it's a, a, a cave and the operator just pops out with it and hits the buttons which turns on its eyes it makes this roaring sound and it is so much fun to watch people lose their shit. We had a giant alligator head that did the same thing uh, that the pirates got to work with the year that PDX Yar. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've operated that alligator. Yep. The alligator though is not as glorious. It, it it has the same effect, but the the alligator head versus the Oribus head, that thing is just artistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the alligator head, I think, worked better in its original room. The original room for the alligator head was a doctor's waiting office at the end of the museum that was perfectly normal. <laughs> like white walls, bright fluorescent lights, posters on the wall, chairs, a sofa, magazines. Everything in it looks normal including the wall that actually splits in half and allows the gator head to come through. (laughs) And we watched so much video of people reacting to this because they, uh, they would lean against that wall because they thought whatever was going to jump out at them was clearly near the door or near any of the posters. It's like, Oh no, those posters aren't real. It's going to be dropped down. So they would stand there with their back to the wall that suddenly opens and this gator head comes out. Yep. And then they just run screaming right out the front door or right out the door. It's uh, so glorious. I think one of my other favorite gags in the museum that, and he only had it for a couple of years was the boo room. <laughs> it was a room where he just made a bunch of like classic ghosts, like sheets and like black sheet eyes, sheet yep. ghosts. And like, I'm, like he puts me in that room because he's showing me around and he's like, "Look at this room." And I was like, "This is unsettling." Mm-hmm. Said, what happens? And he leans in, and goes, "Nothing." Yep, nothing happens at all. He says, "But no one wants to come in here." I said, "Yeah." He says, "Because you think one of them are gonna jump." I'm like, "They is it one?" He's like, "No." Yeah, he's like, I've watched he- people like break down in tears in the middle of this room because they're waiting for it. He's like, and then at the end, when they cross the room, they take a deep breath. Then I get them in a different room. <laughs> yep. I would I would be particularly bothered by a room like that because once my 
once I have been given some frighten, my my fear defense mechanism is to be like hyper prepared. And so Aaron has seen this and he makes fun of me. I'll come around corners and down hallways like I'm clearing a room. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like I'm doing tactical operations. I'm like, no one's gonna fucking sneak up on me because I'm gonna like you know, because I'm clearing the room as I come in, right. and I'm like super vigilant. I'm like, so, you know, if I see them coming, they can't scare me. Um, and so when nothing happens, I'm just gonna like get more and more expectant. I, I can mm-hmm. I absolutely see how that works. I don't. <laughs> that's mean. It's mean, and I love it. Yeah. I, I, I certainly don't want to ever sound like I'm uh, shitting on any of the other haunts in Portland because the people that do haunts in Portland, like they've already had, they couldn't do anything last year. So last year was awful. Right. Um, and there are some that are trying to go ahead and move forward um, and do haunts this year. Uh, I know that there's one that I'm planning on going to, which is... Um, why do I keep forgetting the name of this haunt? The man, the one, the one that's like in rural. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, um, it's the one where like the the guy employs high school drama kids, and exactly. the money goes back to those programs. Goes back to yeah. those drama clubs. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. It's out on a farm. Uh, I'll look it up before the end of the show and post it. But like, I'm planning on going to that, and I know that they're requiring masks. They're requiring six feet distance. I believe they're requiring vaccination records. Um, so we'll see, which is, that's a hell of a thing to pull, try to pull off even in like suburban rural Oregon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if there are haunts that you feel comfortable going to try, because people are really, really doing their best. Um, I know that uh, the, the folks that, uh, took over the spot at the Memorial Coliseum are doing their haunt. I just never remember their name. I think I keep, keep wanting to call uh, it Underhill, the, but the I think un- it changed. It, it is. It's called The, the Beneath. Beneath. The Beneath. Yeah. Um, they are, they have got the worst gig um, because they are in the spot that made, that Fright Town made famous. And so everyone goes in expecting Fright Town and, this is where I'm not trying to shit on folks, but Fright Town was not competing with any haunt in Portland ever. Right. Fright Town was operating on a level that I have seen theme parks operate on. Yeah. And nothing else in Portland is doing that. Everything else in Portland is doing a great job with local haunts. They're, they're doing as best they can. And it's, Fantastic. And Milburn, Milburn Manor. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting all the, a lot of the haunts in the chat just for sweet. Um, it's almost like this is our favorite time of year. I know. Um, what? But uh, Fright Town was definitely something special. If you saw it while it was going on, God bless you. And, Fright, uh, Fright Town was the only haunt in the Pacific Northwest that got a write up in Rue Morgue magazine. Yep. Yeah, the rest were all like L.A. or some of those Midwest ones, like The Beast, mm-hmm. which is a beast, and some of the West Co- or East Coast with stuff. I've heard some good things about the, there's a couple haunts in Atlanta, and yeah, back East stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I went to, um, when I started going to uh, Universal Studios for the Hollywood Horror Nights, 
that was when I went, oh, this is what Fright Town was doing. Oh, oh, wait, this is what Fright Town was doing. We yeah. didn't have any money. How did we do this? <gasps> Speaking of horror. Hey, before we start chatting with Gwen about the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, this would be a perfect time to talk about our sponsors. First up, Bridge City Comics. You can find them over at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. They are one of the city's wonderful, fantastic comic book shops. I was going to say finest, but I feel like I say that every single time. Anyway, uh, yeah, check them out. You have probably seen the uh, Netflix trailer for the adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. You definitely are going to want to read these books before you watch the adaptation. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be great. It looks fantastic and whatnot. But those are some of the seminal works of comics, especially from 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 the 90s. I mean, that laid the groundwork for a lot of the Vertigo work that was to come. Uh, the Sandman broke a lot of ground. And there is plenty to read. I think there's something like 10 different trades, plus the Death spinoff. Anyway... All kinds of stuff. What I'm saying is you should go to Bridge City Comics and pick up your copy of The Sandman and get it started for yourself. And, you know, look at all the other titles that are there, too. And while you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. Like our next sponsor, Guardian Games. Uh, find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They have been our longest sponsor. They have been around ever since, you know, this was just a blog. And when you go there, you'll find out why we love them so much. And um, Innistrad, The Midnight Hunt, the newest set for Magic the Gathering just came out. I have indeed be lured in. Be lured in. I have been lured back in. The art is as wonderful as ever. The setting is fantastic. And I think I might finally try... Uh, the Commander play style. I've never done that before, and I have been told that uh, Innistrad Midnight Run is the best way to do it, and the best way to get that set is to go to Guardian Games. So yeah, check them out. 345 Southeast Taylor Street. You can also find them online at guardiangames.com. Regardless of how you get there, be it digitally or in the store personally, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Look who it is. Hello. Look who it is. Hi, Gwen. You're still on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> it's Portland's original horror queen. Hi. <laughs> Hello. That How background looks fully appropriate for someone who's about to put on a film festival. Oh, man. I forgot. <laughs> I was like, oh. Is this, um, do people see this video? Yeah. Is that okay? That's okay. I just, okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yes. We're, we are live on Facebook right now. Okay. Okay. I'm like, oh. We try to give a heads up. I'm sorry, we space on you. <laughs> I will. I've been on other podcasts before where they do it on Zoom, but then they just broadcast the audio. So I'm like, it doesn't matter what I look like. <laughs> well, you look we, fantastic. We do both, and yes, you look great. <laughs> We're welcome, all using welcome filters. Welcome to the internet. <laughs> I feel like it's a real Zoom call now that I've seen the cat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Claymore. Has to, has to be one in every Zoom call. So mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't sit here without cat. Yeah, because Shocking. they're not paying attention to them. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, my lap. I need a lap in the chair. How am I supposed to take my daytime naps? How can be? So, Gwen, how have you been? Um, I've been okay. Like, it's been a weird two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're doing okay. We're we're still, you know, we're hanging in there and adapting to all the new things and the way of the world and um 
still trying to put independent film out there for people to see. So we're excited that last year we had to be completely online and um, we took Portland horror online in June. And I think we were the first like all horror festival to do it online. Wow. And then we did HP Lovecraft film festival online again. And we thought, you know, in May we're like, maybe we'll be back in the theater in October. (laughs) And then this year um, we were able to get back into the theater for Portland horror and back in the theater for HP Lovecraft film festival. But we know that not everyone's ready to be back in person with people in a, in a Mm -hmm. theater, even though you're sitting, you have to have your mask on, you're all facing the same way. You're discouraged Mm -hmm. from talking because it's a theater. Um, (laughs) To me, it's like one of the safer places you could go in a crowd with people and, you know, it's a little more controlled, I think, because statistically, you kind of I think you're right. Pick your, pick yeah. your seat. You can pick your seat away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be crowded. So that's, I was actually about to ask you that. Is this as many, I'm assuming you're not selling as many in-person tickets as, as no. pre-COVID we're, years. We're only on the main screen and we capped it at 75% so that people could, you know, put a little space between them and other people if they want to. Um, Portland Horror, we noticed that everyone still kind of sat in the middle section. <laughs> and there's, you know, they left a couple seats between themselves and other people, but um, there's plenty of room to spread out. High ceilings, the the Hollywood has updated, updated their HVAC system, so it's all good. And um, they are making everyone show that you're, they require proof of vaccination or a recent PCR test. Nice. And you have to wear a mask at all times unless you're actively, you know, putting food or drink in your face. Yeah. And also I expect some creativity on masks at this thing. I, yeah, I hope so. Um, We were, we vended at Rose City Comic Con a couple (laughs) of weeks ago and I was amazed at how creative people were with their masks being worked into their costumes. And Mm -hmm. it made Mm -hmm. me so happy because it's just, you know, the, all of us outsiders, I think, are just used to trying to cram ourselves into like what's normal. And now we have like this another additional way of expressing ourselves. Right. Um, through these you mean masks. I can wear my cultist mask and people won't look at me funny anymore? Exactly. Awesome. They just assume that you're worried about getting COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not displeasing the ancient one. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're still going to have some vendors. Um, we'll have a little vendor pod upstairs and we ha- we're going to have um, book vendors. There'll be some author signings at their table. And then we've got a full weekend program of feature films and like short films, like over 50 short and feature films. Oh, and um, we don't favorite. have a, yeah, <laughs> the short films, the infamous short films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have some really, really excellent ones this year. Um, there's one from Italy that was started in 1985 they shot a bunch of footage and then they sent it off to get edited and then something something happened and they just kind of left the project for a while and maybe they, I feel like they lost the footage for a while and then they rediscovered it in 2010 and then shot some more scenes with the original actor who is now you know at this point 25 years older and then they finally got it all together and finished it to submit to our festival so this is wow that's gonna be fascinating i don't know if it's the world premiere i think it's the world premiere of it um and it's certainly i think the first time people will be seeing it on a screen so it's really fascinating it took a fascinating journey to get here Mm -hmm. yeah i'm really interested in that one i yeah i need to see that 
And that one's called The Book in the House, which is a, based on The Picture in the House. Picture in the House. Mm. That was the first Lovecraft short I ever filmed, ever adapted on my own. Ah. And it was awful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like 23 years old when I did it. I went back and watched it. And I was like, this is bad. No wonder they didn't pick it up. This was awful. They can't and all this be is winners. back in the day when you had to be really bad for them not to take it. Yeah. Again, this was like 19 years ago. <laughs> so it was bad. There's sometimes where we, we get films sometimes where like it's a good idea and the execution of it wasn't terrible, but then they failed on the capturing sound and picture oh. elements where mm-hmm. like I want people to see this, but can we really ask our audience to sit through 20 minutes of this poor picture quality and poor sound quality? Mm. And usually the answer is no, I'm sorry. Like very sad, but like you gotta get your it's a film, you know, like you gotta get your sound and picture under under control. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot. There are so many elements to to making a film. And I think like if you have like, let's just say like you get four out of five, mm-hmm. then like that's at least enough to get people to go yeah. through the whole thing, even if they're not totally in love with it. But if you are like there's a there's a threshold. And yeah. if you're missing two, like one too many elements, then it's just, that's just it. Like it could have yeah. been like the greatest concept ever thought of, but if it's got bad acting and bad audio, that's it. Like yeah. zero chance of it succeeding. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's the element that I enjoy most about like short film festivals is seeing like, how many of these elements did you get right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um and then this is kind of exciting. So because we know we kind of polled our audience from past years to see like how many people are actually coming in person this year. Um, and based kind of based on that, we decided like, you know what, let's just go with the main theater and like have it kind of back to basics. Not all this crazy, like three tracks and a secondary venue and all this other stuff. Let's just like get back to basics. Let's just enjoy watching films in a theater with other people that like the same things as us. So we're not having that secondary track in person, but we are going to have a handful of live author readings on the stage just before film blocks. Oh, cool. Of those. So we've got um, John Shirley, Pete Rollick, Molly Tanzer, Andrew Fuller, Wendy Wagner, and Sarah Walker are going to be doing little 10 10 minute readings. Oh, Wendy's going to be there. Cool. Little, little snippets. And um, then we will have, uh, like the little vendor pod films and then um next the next weekend october 8th to the 10th we are going to be streaming the festival so for people who are not comfortable being back in the theater or for medical reasons can't get vaccinated or you've got like little kids at home that can't be vaccinated and you don't want to carry something to them um you can watch it online through our eventive portal which is hplfilmfestival.eventive.org and watch all the content online as well as like six extra hours of streaming exclusive content so we packed a little more in there um, for streaming and people who have bought the kickstarter package through our kickstarter um, will automatically have access to that streaming exclusive material people who buy their three-day passes through the hollywood theater site 
there's a link on our festival page to where to buy the streaming exclusives. And it's really not that much for what you get. Like you get a lot of content. There's like three features and like three more hours of short films. So it's a lot of good stuff in there. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And I was looking at the lineup this year too. The films all sound really fantastic. There is some really high quality, like they get better and better every year and I'm amazed. But um, since the advent of digital technology and just making those consumer level cameras better, the quality of the films has just gone up and up and up. And, um, you know, when we talk about independent films, we're talking everything from like a guy shot this on his iPhone, which has a, you know, a better camera than my old Sony, like, um, I had like one that was like, you know, 2.2 megapixels. Right. <laughs> it's like your iPhone 10 is like way better than that to um, people using, you know, red cameras and black magics and like Ooh, professional grade equipment. So everything in between. And it's really just a matter of what you're, what you've tried, what you're trying to do, what kind of lighting you've got, and then what your skill set is in terms of get capturing that picture and sound and color correcting and all that stuff so yeah i'm just can you uh and then something that i think started a few years ago and doing again this year is the lovecraft under the gun also streams or screens that weekend also yes um that'll be sunday i think at five o'clock we have it scheduled um we just put out the final final film schedule on the website which Mm -hmm. is um hplff.com or you can go to hplfilmfestival.com. They go to the same place. And um, yeah, so the whole schedule's up now. It's easy this year because it's just one track. <laughs> so it's easy <laughs> to understand. You don't have to like figure out which theater do I need to be, need to be in. Um, but yeah, we have um, films from all over the world. We have one from Russia. We have one from Belgium. We've got some from Italy. We've got a few German ones. Um, Oh, is that Portland Horror? I'm sorry. Everything blends together. <laughs> uh, bunch from bunch from Canada. Canada has a strong showing this year. Uh, one from Australia. Um, we've got uh, all the features I think this year are from the U.S., but they're really interesting. We've got like a good range of feature films. Um, we're going to start off Friday night with the 10th anniversary screening of Whisper in Darkness from the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. That's mm-hmm. cool. So that was one of the first films we played when we started running the festival and that made its world premiere in 2011. And um, they did it kind of like, it's a, the follow-up to Call of Cthulhu, which was the 1920s silent film. So they did it like a 1930s universal monster movie style it's a lot of fun. It's great. It's really fun. Yeah. And uh, Sean Branny and Andrew Lehman will be with us for a Q&A and for the screening. So that'll be fun. Get to hear about how they how they went through that whole process of filming it and making it look like a true 1930s film. That's going to be got, a lot of fun. Uh, we've got The Yellow Wallpaper, which is, of course, the adaptation of Charlotte Gillen Perkins' story. And it's kind of, um, it's a period piece and it's beautifully shot. Um, it is an art film. Um, so you, you, if you know what to expect from art films, it's, <laughs> it's paced, but it's, um, it's just really, really well done. Really. That's Saturday afternoon, right? That's Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. And then that evening we have The Fall of Usher, which is a sort of a mashup of a bunch of different post stories, but it's 
presented in a way that is um it's like a the main character kind of telling you starting you off of like I'm going to tell you a story about this is everything that happened and you know I'm a storyteller and a liar by nature so you kind of know going into it that this is a story and you're nice. immersed in it and it's really nicely like weaves in all these threads of um poe elements and themes and and yeah. recognize bits from the tales of and, poe. and for folks that may not be familiar the lovecraft film festival has always shown one or two poe films yeah. mm-hmm. uh because that was Lovecraft. from what i understand that was lovecraft's favorite author like that's who he aspired to be was, was poe basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we do we do we tend to show um mostly you know cosmic horror lovecraft adaptations or lovecraftian inspired things but we also tend we also get submissions sometimes um for things like king and yellow kind of stuff like robert chambers style and mm-hmm. mr james style ghost stories and um we've had in the past uh fritz Leiber film last year the hill in the hole and um what else um other poe adaptations and things like that that are contemporaries of lovecraft um mm-hmm. oh uh clark ashton smith we had mm-hmm. a film in 2019 that was based on clark ashton smith's the last in- incantation and so we we tend to show things for context of like these are things that lovecraft would have been reading or lovecraft would have corresponded with these people and so it's kind of all in the the circle of of lovecraft in that web that's cool. I'm really excited. Looks like on Sundays a screening of The Witch House. Yeah, so this is a brand new film called HPL HP Lovecraft's Witch House, which is a modern adaptation. Um, and the main character is a woman rather than uh, the usual Walter Gilman. Um, I think her, I think her name is Alice Gilman, mm-hmm. maybe. But it's it's uh, it's a fun it's a fun watch (laughs) yeah it's one of my favorite lovecraft stories so i'm really excited to see this this adaptation of it it looks really interesting and then um for people who love the short film sunday is the day to be there because we've got three blocks of short films Mm -hmm. oh nice we'll be ending with the i don't know what we're calling it right now it's not the what the fuck block but it's almost oh sorry that's okay. Nope. On this show, it's fine. fine. Oh, we work blue. Yeah. Yeah. You can unload. It doesn't matter. This uh, is the least amount of swearing that I've done on the show. I know. Yeah. <laughs> You're like on your best behavior. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the weirdest, wackiest, like kind of just bonkers films that you're going to see. And, and that is not like nobody should get the impression that they're not good films because they are really good films, but they're kind of, we decided to group them together because they are just like, there's weird. And then there's like apeshit weird, <laughs> like batshit crazy weird yeah. in a, in the best way possible. So. Oh, I'm no, like- that's, that is an extremely valid genre of film. Even, even if like the, if you, if you, so like my husband is literally right now going through a, um a list of films and the only thing that they have in common is that they're all a little bit what the fuck, but they all fall into different genres. Uh, so they're not all horror. It's just a matter of like how weird they get with it. That, that, that's, that is a total niche for people. <laughs> so there's, um, yeah, there's a queer horror film in there. There's um, a pup, like a puppet animated film in there. <laughs> There's um, a a live action with some animation film in there and like um, 
yeah i don't want to give too much away but I'm, well, yeah, I'm all the descriptions are on the website so yeah i'm looking at the one for like demon hunter and holes and both of those are like those are going to be messed up yeah i'm in the same section and there's a, a whole snack uh love glove like i those definitely give me some what the fuck vibes <laughs> just the titles alone awesome um yeah love glove is uh that was an entry for from give me all fest from last year um oh, cool. that one's fun i'm gonna point out that one because um i'm a character in it hey, <laughs> it gives awesome. people the option of um using someone's name and they always pick someone that they know um so last year the year before it was like lonnie joe from the clinton street theater and um <laughs> Last year, they asked me if I could use they, if they could use my name for it, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." What an <laughs> honor! <so> cool. <laughs> it was really funny, and then to see what yeah, with what it was with it, and then I think they used Brian as a character too in that film. So <laughs> funny. Nice. Yeah, there's some. I'm just looking at all the different shorts, which are generally my favorite. I mean, the features are always great, but the shorts are always what you know definitely keep me coming back like year after year i love all the different takes and all the different visions and stuff i feel like the short films are what have made the film fest stand apart from film fests yeah. uh, that's what's made it so unique what's given it its spirit and what's drawn so many people to it over the years um i know it's always been my favorite part and it was always a thing that when i went regularly that's what i would tell everyone it's like you have to go for all these short films it's like yeah there's this feature and that feature but man these shorts are great you get to see all of these independent filmmakers just going doing whatever they can just throwing it on film and and going for it even the most mediocre of the shorts is still far and above uh like in quality very watchable mm-hmm. like it, it, it's like yeah i didn't like that one but i'm still glad i watched it is yeah that's that's not any that's not something to sneeze at so but it's true there's always i mean so in the past when we've looked at the audience choice ballots like there's every single film is always somebody's favorite mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they always get like at least one 10 out of 10 rating for every every short film we've ever shown i think or at least in past years when we've, we've been like paying attention to all the ratings and like putting them in a spreadsheet so that we can actually <laughs> see what's happening. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, it's, it's amazing the different, the range of things that people like. So, um, and we try to kind of take you on a journey in within the film block, within the short film block, we kind of group, we try to give you a wide range of styles and subject matter and um, vibes with the film so that it's not just all vamp all the vampire films together or right. all of the you know cthulhu films together <laughs> you get like a whole balanced meal out of them and i'm looking it looks like none of them are older than 2019 so these are a lot of like people that have been like just within the last year or so have been making these short films which is pretty cool yeah and um a lot of them have heard, had to go through massive contortions and hurdles to try to film safely during COVID and they've managed it. So we didn't know what we were going to get when, when we had the festival last year, we were like, what is 2020 going to look like? Is it going to be like a bunch of zoom movies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Thankfully> it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know a couple tricky. filmmakers tried that and I'm glad it didn't really catch on. 
It's hard. Yeah. I, I, I participated in the making of a short film uh, last last summer. And funnily enough, COVID is not the thing that shut us down. That all went, like the, the management of like COVID safety guidelines actually went very, very smoothly. <laughs> it was uh, the the main, like the the lead actor got injured. Oh. Like completely, oh, no. completely unrelated to, to filming. Uh, but they're they're keeping all the footage in a can, so it's it's they'll flesh it out for something else later. I think. Maybe you will show up twenty five years from now, and they'll be able to wrap it up. Oh, you're gonna see a lot of me if that comes out. <laughs> I meant like you would revisit twenty five years later. <laughs> maybe, maybe no, no. I think they're I think they're actually working on like expanding it right now and like trying to use it for something but that's neither here nor there we're talking about <laughs> this film festival but it's hard i mean just the fact that people manage to finish a film of whatever length is just amazing to me because of how how much stuff goes into it like how many how many threads have to come together to make this like mm-hmm. cohesive piece of work is mm-hmm. just incredible so the fact There's that we can a provide lot. a platform for them to show it to all, you know, all of our audience is really great. So say yeah, like, I'm excited for these. Yeah. So say, you know, people are listening to this podcast and like, you know, they go in person to the festival or they watch it virtually and think like, I kind of want to do this. Like, would you have advice for like an aspiring new, you know, Lovecraft or weird speculative fiction filmmaker? Like, where would you suggest they start? Like if you had any suggestions or they advice. Start is to gather all your friends with any kind of talent and make them help you. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is the hardest part, I think. I, it's so hard. Like there's so many things you don't think about. Um, and if you can find someone who's worked on a movie or done a movie before, make, you know, rope them in, pick their brain, ask them for advice. Um if I was going to make, try to make a short film, I think I would go on filmmaker forums of any kind, like short film mm-hmm. filmmaker forums and just kind of see what people are talking about and ask questions and interact with other filmmakers. Most people are pretty willing to give you advice, at least to steer you in the, in the right direction um, so that you don't make the same like horrible mistakes they made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I feel like it's one of those industries where new people always think they have to remake the wheel and yeah. they don't. There's, there's a lot of filmmaking that is just, just do step A, B, C, D, E. If you want to get inventive, that's, that's on the story. That is right. a specific yeah. shot or a character or the, the concept behind it, but all the practical stuff, it's people know how to do that. Just do that. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I mean, just for very basic things, like how do I light this shot? Like, how do I set up lighting for a shot? There's YouTube videos that you can watch mm-hmm. for that. There's, there's so many now. Resources. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, the biggest thing, like Cable said, the story is the key element. If people aren't interested in the story, you can have like the best looking film that was ever made but if there's no story or substance behind it we I, call that sucker punch 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. Oh. Was that out loud? <laughs> I, I was trying to think of something. I had one, but that's no. That's that's it. Well, it tries so hard, though. It tries it really hard. Yeah. It it did try really hard. And, and you gotta give him points for that. I'm out. Um, <laughs> Do uh, I? <laughs> no, you don't have to do anything. You don't okay. want to fail. Um, Gwen, you and I don't know each other that well, so maybe this is like a silly question to anyone who's a little bit more uh, familiar with you, but the, the way you phrased something earlier uh, made me think or made me curious. Have you ever made a short film yourself? So I've, um, I've been in short films. Um, so let's see. The first what was the first one my friend dave who's actually staying with us right now short shot a short film for the 48 hour film contest in new orleans like gosh back in like 2003 or 2004 or something like that and i knew i was aware that he was doing it and i was like doing t-shirt printing stuff or whatever and he called me at like 10 in the morning and was like hey i need can you help me with this film like i need you to be a stripper and i was like um okay <laughs> I actually have to strip and he's like no 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 you're just gonna be playing the character I'm like okay all right how long like when when do you need me and like how long do you think it's gonna take and he's like can you be here at like 11 a.m I'm like okay and it's like he's like just a couple hours so I show up at 11 a.m and uh... didn't finish until like 9 p.m um but it was really fun like I got to be I didn't realize I was like one of the characters there's like four characters in the the film and I was one of them. And then I had to come back in the morning to do some voiceover stuff for them. But that was a long time. And then we, me and Brian were in one of his, his second entry the next year. And then Brian and I, we've been making our own Kickstarter videos from the beginning, like filming it and trying to figure out how the lighting is and making sure that we're not wearing like loud prints or anything that's going to like make the camera freak out. And mm um discovered that like shooting against the red burgundy curtains in our living room is not the best idea because that doesn't look good <laughs> on film <laughs> and um 2019 I think we did a we made a little short film called the thing that should not be named or something like that it was a riff on the un- unnameable mm-hmm. and so for our kickstarter video and people can go back and look at it from 2019 our kickstarter videos starts with a little short film of like me and andrew in the cemetery and i'm telling him the story of like the the window that held held the impression of something horrible because something horrible happened in the house and um it ends with a very funny scene of brian but people should go look at it but it that's that's my the extent of my experience it's all like I can frame the shot and then I, you know, get in front of the camera and talk. Brian does all the editing and color correcting and putting the music in there and all that stuff. So I don't really, yeah, have a handle on like any of like linear editors or anything like that. So, (laughs) well, you've done the acting and acting is hard. It is. Um, You have to, because you don't really know unless you've done it enough to know like where you need to put your body or like how close together people need to be in the shot to make it look natural it's weird because like we're like I'm sitting next to Andrew and it feels like we're really close but when you look at it on (laughs) film it looks fine like it looks normal although I will say when we watch tv shows sometimes and they're talking you're like 
oh my god like how are they're like this close to each other like, <laughs> yeah are you like spitting on him <laughs> sometimes they are like i don't you can see mm-hmm. like little flex and you're like oh my gosh that's not natural <laughs> ew <laughs> so it all kicks off this friday mm-hmm. 7 p.m i think the doors are opening to the theater at like 5 45 or 6 o'clock mm-hmm. and um get there a little early because they are there tends to be a line on opening night um if you haven't bought your tickets in advance i highly recommend it because if you buy your tickets in advance you can just kind of you can flash the qr code at the box office they'll check your vaccine card and you can, they'll wristband you up and then you can go inside nice oh, also don't forget your vaccine card yes yeah. Uh, uh, vaccine are can people have like digital versions of their card too? Yeah, I know a lot of yeah, that's what it I can be the yeah. actual card, a very clear photo of the front and back, or a, like a digital, I think a digital record, as long as it's like as long as the theater staff can look at it and be like, okay, you're they can see that you've been vaccinated, right? Really vaccinated. And um, if people have questions about that though, they should ask the theater. <laughs> they should yeah. email, I, email the Hollywood Theater or give them a call. And I I think in the past few months I've gone to two movies at the Hollywood and it felt yeah, they're they're doing a really good job at the Hollywood Theater, keeping everybody space and checking everything. So I feel like it's a perfect as always the perfect venue for the festival. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because this is gonna be my first time back at the Hollywood and my second theater experience this year. So Oh my gosh. Same. Nice. Oh, I was trying to remember. I think I went and saw one movie in the theater before Portland Horror happened, and mm. I haven't been to a theater since because I haven't had time. But um, we went to—I went to see Raya and the Last Dragon, which was amazing. That's we such were, a good me one. Me and my friend were like the only two people in the theater. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good that's theater experience. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all Hello. went uh, to go see Shang Chi uh, few uh, opening weekend for that. Nice. Worth it. There's yeah. a list of things to catch up on after we get through the festival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. yeah. You're, yeah. You're kind of full speed and for the next... a few days after, right? Cause there's always like the postmortem, the cleanup, and then you get to shut down. But then we also have the streaming festival next weekend. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So you've got a while. Days, so I'm, I'm occupied until the 10th. But the streaming festival is going to be, it's going to go live Friday afternoon with um, some streaming exclusive content going to launch first. And then um, it's going to follow the same schedule as the live show. So okay. like f- all the films will be in the same days. They'll be on the same days. And um, you sell day passes because it's a festival. Like if you mm-hmm. just want to watch a movie, you can just rent it on Amazon or whatever. But like come to, come to this with the open mind of like i'm gonna see a bunch of stuff that i'm probably never gonna be able to see again yeah um and then we also have filmmaker q a's where um, people can jump on the hplff discord server and ask questions and we'll see them we'll ask the filmmaker questions while we're live and like there's extra content we're gonna have some panels panel discussions that are also broadcast over zoom and some more author readings on zoom and once we, we're still in the process of um, scheduling those, making sure that everyone's like able to be there at the same time. Some of them might be pre-recorded, but 
all that, all that will go live on a rolling schedule, but then everything will stay available until 1159 PM on Tuesday, October 12th Pacific time. So that if you have to work during the day on Saturday, you can still buy Saturday's pass and watch part of it that night. And then you'll have Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to finish watching it. Well, that's nice. Nice. Very that can, cool. That, that can be like really tricky with um, like streaming from home. It's still, it's still technically on a schedule. So, so it'll be, nice. if you want to follow kind of the festival schedule, you, we recommend that people kind of do it at the, when it's released so that they can catch the Q and A's afterwards as they're happening. Um, but you know, everyone, not everyone cares about the Q and A's and they just want to watch all the films so they can do that. <laughs> um, but for us, what makes it a festival is like being able to actually talk to the filmmakers afterwards and get a little more insight on their process and their, you know, some of the choices they made in the film and just what, what inspired them to, to make, make the way, make it the way that they did. Right. Um, this is always fun for me anyway, because I get to talk to them. <laughs> I think that those are valuable if you are a process nerd mm-hmm. and or if you are someone who is dreaming of making their own short film. Definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sorry, Cable, I cut you off. No, that's all right. I was just going to mention that uh, some of the folks in the chat were also talking about that they're excited that the authors are getting to getting Q&As, that the... the uh, and that other folks are getting Q and A's so that their other people are also excited who aren't just us uh, uh, about all this additional content <laughs> and, and, uh, and all of these different aspects of the film fest that uh, I think folks who have gone just truly love. So. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, we, we thought about doing a, a secondary, trying to get a secondary venue, but because the Hollywood Senior Center is, um, they just underwent some major renovations and I'm not sure that they're really ready to be open for rental events again because mm. their population's at risk and right. um, though everyone's vaccinated, it's still, it's still a whole other thing that they have to deal with that they don't normally deal with. And we wanted to kind of keep it contained to just one venue so that it's, there's less vectors coming in from outside so we're not having the meet and greet at sam's um because it's just it's too open <laughs> like if yeah. it was just a venue where just festival people were able to go i would feel more comfortable with it but i don't feel good about just telling people like we're having an official event at this venue that we don't have any control over how they operate mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah any control yeah yeah um, I think that's that, more than reasonable. Yeah, Sam's is still great, and if people want to go, if they feel comfortable going, you know, to a bar and having food and drink beforehand, it's always, you know, it's right down the street. It's always been a great place. They've always been good to us. Yeah, Sam's has always been great. Nothing um, against Sam's. I would have chosen Magnolia, but I think they're gone they now. Closed. They did. They closed. Start. Yeah. Pandemic. Magnolia's is one of the very last places I went to before the pandemic, like before the first shutdown. Oh. So I guess I'm glad I got that last chance in. Yeah, there's that's such a great space that they created. And, it, and of course, mm-hmm. I was there because I just come out of the Hollywood. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Moon and Sixpence is doing a really good job of uh, making sure people are safe in their place, also. So there's that one, and 
They have that whole back patio, which is nice. Yes. Oh, yeah, there is. So it's outdoors and mm. less, and the, a little less the, of a hot box of people's breath. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Ugh. And other people's breath will never be less gross than it has been in the last 18 months. Like... Nope. I, I don't I, mind like wearing a, I don't, you know, I have enjoyed for the last two years, not having a cold. Mm-hmm. Not I, yeah. <laughs> it's been really now nice. It's only, now it's only sick. my allergies that are killing me. Yeah. yeah. Can't do anything about that. <laughs> nope. For that, you must suffer. I believe that the, uh, the weather this weekend is supposed to be sunny and 80 again. So perfect right. for sitting out at a back patio in the evening after the fest. Oh, I thought you were going to say perfect for being inside. It is also perfect for being inside and watching movies all day long. Recently, but I was like, I had seen that it was supposed to be overcast, but not raining. Overcast yeah. is fine. Just don't don't rain. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so. if my choices are hot sun or like chilly with rain, I'll take the rain any day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, well, it looks like it's supposed to be like partly cloudy, but yep, very little chance of rain. It's reasonable. Good. That's perfect. I love. I love. I love some overcast. Yeah, <laughs> we can work with that for sure. Oh man. Oh. It's coming! It's coming! It's coming! I know. I feel like we should let you. I feel like we should let you get back to it a little bit here. I'm okay. Um, we just did our tech run through at the theater, and um, like I gotta print some shirts, but nothing. You know, I'm good. It's all it's nice. All good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I forgot to tell you that's important about the festival. Um, Want to run off those websites and like you know like where to go for what real quick. Yeah, so for the in-person festival, go to the Hollywood Theater website, which is Hollywood Theater with T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org. And um, if you, I think it defaults to the coming soon page. And if you just scroll down, you'll see the full festival pass entry and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's like if you can only come one day, you can buy a single day pass. Or you can buy the full festival pass. Um, you save some money if you're coming all three days. Just get the full festival pass. It's totally worth it. And then if you're if you want to stream at home, you can go to hplfilmfestival.eventive.org. Um, and to find the information on both of those things, you can go to hplfilmfestival.com um, and then click on the Portland, Oregon portal. And everything is right there for you. All the options are there. Don't go to the Rhode Island one. That's that's far that's far far away. Right. Yeah, the Portland, Oregon. I mean, <laughs> right, if you live in that area, then by all means, go to the Rhode Island link. But yeah. and then go back in time to August twentieth because that's right. when this happened. <laughs> okay, so definitely don't. And go then to the time Rhode travel. <laughs> Um, but I, I think there's a short URL that's hplff.com slash pdx. That's probably a little easier to remember. <laughs> I will be sure to link everything on the site and all that stuff too, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Kitty. Oh. Hi, mind you. That's a nice kitty. Oh. <laughs> I 
as we face. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, there's, um, we'll be updating the festival website with if anything, when any, when the streaming stuff all like kind of gets settled out and confirmed and um, the panels and readings and things like that. And um, right now the schedule and find and films for the in-person event are pretty finalized. Like all that information should be up there. We also have a Facebook event. Um, if you just go to the HPL Film Festival page and the event is linked on there, um, there's a discussion group that you can look at. And we, we try to update that as well. Post pictures and you can chat with other people on there. And um, I'll probably throw the Discord server invite in the Facebook event too so that people oh, can cool. join in the chat. Oh, fun. Nice. Yeah, that's it. Do you have any, any other questions or anything? I I'm not. I think we about. we covered a lot of it here. I'm just excited to be back. It's been a few years since I've been able to attend, so this mm-hmm. is actually going to be my first. So I'm like super uh, excited. Oh yeah, for, nice. For one reason or another, I've just never made it to one before. I think I think we all. I almost went one year, but then I probably had to work or some dumb shit like that. So <laughs> I am I'm pleasantly unemployed right now and uh, really excited to to. Be there for all of it this year. I have not intended it in person for the entirety that I've worked at Guardian Games. So it's, and I think I hadn't made it the years before. So I think it's been at least 10 years since I've been. Wow. Yep. Gosh. It's a big old milestone for us. This one will be more like how you remember like 2002. That'll be great. kind of cool though. Yeah. Oh, God, I think that might have been when I started going. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. I think that 2001, 2002. Yeah, that's yeah, that's about what I started going to. So mm-hmm. I'm super jazzed to be there again. So for many reasons, this is like the perfect year for all three of us to finally be going to this thing together. Yeah. That's super exciting. Nice. There I think it's a good introduction for if you're a first timer. Um, you know, over the years, it has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and like more and more programming. And we always want to do more and do bigger and better things, but it can be overwhelming if you're not used to that kind of thing. <laughs> so if people have been hesitant to go before because they just feel like they would be overwhelmed, this is a really good year to go um, to get your feet wet and kind of get your bearings while you're in there. Um, because it is going to be, you know, just one track, not as many people, and it'll be a good, good way to ease into the HP Lovecraft Film Festival experience. Great. I know nice. I've seen at least one person in the chat uh, who said that they will be there that weekend, so. Awesome. Yay. Very <laughs> exciting. I'm sure it feels nice to get back in the theater with the festival also. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, Portland Horror was amazing um we it was not super full but it was so nice to be just in a group of people that were all there for the same thing they all love horror movies and independent horror movies and just seeing everyone's faces and like you know the top half of their faces but (laughs) like oh my god this is what i've been missing you know like yeah having like Brian and I have it pretty good because we we live together and work together anyway and so our day-to-day life didn't change all that much during the pandemic but there was a mental um, 
shift in like, you know, we're always at home anyway, but now I can't go see people if I want to. And now I can't do this thing. And now like, because of, you know, masking and vaccinations and everything, now we can do this thing. And it was Mm -hmm. just really nice to get out and like, just see people again. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember thinking like, well, I already work from home. So it's not going to be that bad, but it's like when you're, when it's your choice to stay home and not be around people, it's great. But when all of a sudden you can't, you're like, well, this sucks. <laughs> well, and you learn that you're like much more of an extrovert than you realized. Boy, howdy, did I? <laughs> and it, I learned that I'm much more of an introvert than I realized. Which is weird. I know, right? I mean, not to say that like I don't still yearn for, for you know, like time with, with the people I'm close to and care about. and But I... Like for me, it just has made that made those times that much more fulfilling. Like I, yeah. I, I, I overtly value them more because I realize that like, oh, sometimes you can't have that. Whereas I feel like I, I just learned that I did have more patience to lose with people. <laughs> hey. and, and then I did. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, I apparently could put up with a little more bullshit than I thought than I thought I could. And now no, no. Oh the joys of retail. Oh. <laughs> it's good that you found your bottom. Yeah. It's like oh God, yes. <laughs> yeah, no. It Aaron's right. The joy of retail. Oh, I'm continually amazed by the some of the stories I hear from friends who are like baristas and retail workers and waiters just it's just incredible the the fact that people don't put the two and two together and just like your you know service is poor because you treat people like shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's it's not the other way around yeah <laughs> what? no one ever wants to look at the common denominator in their problems Right. No, it is really always... hard to get people to realize that 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 takes a certain level of um self-awareness that man if we could vaccinate for that there'd still be half of the country that wouldn't take it um i mean if i thought i was at least 60 percent of the problem i wouldn't want to look through that door either i guess i don't know (laughs) it's never your fault it's always the percent is pretty generous there being (laughs) generous or not enough not enough yeah Yeah, being kind to the person yes (laughs) i just always assume it's my fault and therefore guaranteeing that i will spend the rest of my life waking up at 1 a.m thinking man that shit that i did in eighth grade i bet they still hate me for it and this goes back to our conversation from the beginning of the episode where i'm like no no i'm doing just fine with my like middle-aged white man uh sense of confidence yeah (laughs) To, I, to have I the confidence I, of a mediocre white man. Yep. If only we could and I sleep great. <laughs> no, I'm like, I don't, uh, I wish I could, man. Ugh. Yes, yes. The chat agrees that my math is bad on that. I, I'm guessing I was being too small on the number there. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they thought you were being hard on yourself. Well, no, but that was just as a mm-hmm. hypothetical. Like, if, if I yes. thought that I was at least 60% of the problem, I wouldn't want to like. I mean, you're a solid twenty. <laughs> yes, yes, I will agree that I'm at least twenty percent of my problems. <laughs> Done. 
as long as you recognize that (laughs) with any problem that you encounter that you are part of that and can find and and own the part that where it's like all right i'm being unreasonable about this specific thing or i'm causing this part of this problem then that at least means that you can counter that everything else is on everybody else (laughs) i i'm having a laugh just turning aside i'm like do i do i acknowledge when i'm the problem i'm sure i do I, I think that's where it's like maybe 20% of the time you don't. But that means 80% of the time you do. Versus the other way around, which is, I think, what we're kind of looking at. Right. Like, Americans I'm, as a monoculture, they're about 80%. The, they're say like, that this is not my fault. I'm going to argue that like, I, I don't think I have that many problems in life. Like, I. You know, in the grander scheme of things, I think I've got it pretty good. Like, do I have a job right now? No. And is that great? No. But am I okay? Yes. You know, and that's like the worst thing I've got going on right now. Um, and I'm like forever, forever, forever grateful that like I've never had it that bad. Uh, so, I mean, what is that? Is that is that like the fact that like maybe I don't cause a lot of my own problems? Or is it just luck? Who the fuck even knows? I would say a large part of that being in, being adults um, has to do with the decisions that we make. And a lot of adults make very poor decisions. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I would like to think that I make fewer and fewer bad decisions with every year that, you know, that passes me by. But the I ones you do make, you really awful. make them count. Yes. Absolutely yeah. that. If I'm going to fuck it up, I'm going to fuck it up good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but enough about me. Let's talk about Gwen's problems. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'm that um, we, we just rewatched The Good Place because um, I don't know, like everything, all the news and politicians and everything, I was like, I need something to restore my faith in humanity. So we rewatched The Good Place. And uh, every some a lot of times I'm just like you know that's a Brent. Yeah, mm. that's Brent. <laughs> Be more like Eleanor. <laughs> but no, but but what's really tough is when you have a Derek. Because what do you do with a Derek? Well, you gotta kill him. <laughs> that was that you came to that answer reset. way too easily. Push the reset button so that he evolves. He evolves. I tend to agree with just throwing a Molotov cocktail at it just makes everything better no it it doesn't make everything better it does make a Molotov when you throw a Molotov cocktail on a problem that you have it gives you a different problem yeah but the old problem is gone yes wisdom from Jason yeah Mm -hmm. Oh man, that show! I will still catch myself just randomly yelling "Bortles" as I leave a building. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there what else? What else is there? Yeah, that's it. Mostly, ah. I, I find myself um, um, quoting Chidi's line of like, "Yeah, but that's worse, right?" You get how that's worse. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that and Jeremy Bear me. 
Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> like people will just be like, when did this happen? How did this happen? Jeremy Baramy. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the My- dot on the eye. Yeah. It's Tuesdays and autumn. <laughs> and My- sometimes holidays. <laughs> My big hang up with that show is that um, Kristen, what's her face's character? Bell. Eleanor. Bell. Kristen, uh, yeah, yeah, Eleanor. Eleanor is from Phoenix slash Scottsdale. Uh, and so am I. Ooh. And and I, I really resent when I relate to her as a character. <laughs> uh, you know, like for a number of reasons, but also just like innocuous stuff. Like, who doesn't love a bunch of shrimp? <laughs> and you do do that, by the way. I do what? When you see a plate of like shrimp, I've seen you do it. <laughs> I've seen you like walk like, oh, shrimp. Oh, and you'll load and, up on them. And so, like, there you have yeah, the, the 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 concept of Eleanor is this juggle of like recognizing that you are Arizona trash, <laughs> but also a total snack sometimes. You know, <laughs> I just wanted to compliment myself, you guys. It's fine. We can move on. We can, we can move on. <laughs> You're a total snack. There you go. Um, <laughs> So it took a weird turn, as it often does. Well, the good the good place will do that. The good place yeah, will do that. It's true. Mm-hmm. We've also had a lot of wine tonight, so how very un Eleanor of you. Shocking. It should be margaritas. That's true. <laughs> true. But mm. I didn't have the stuff for margaritas. So. But you are oh, drinking from a mason jar. Irma. That's pretty Eleanor, right? Are you drinking yeah. wine with a straw out of a mason jar? Shut up. That's so what? Awesome. No, That's I'm awesome. not. That's 100% <laughs> on brand for her, by the way. Yeah. That, no, yeah, that was not a jealous question. That, that, that wasn't a judgy question. No, that was no. a, why was am a... I not? Yes. Yeah. Like, why have I never thought of that? Because... Yes. <laughs> yes, Gwen. Hello. Nice to meet you. This is my favorite drinking vessel. Yeah. It is a because Joe's Crab Shack <laughs> mug. <laughs> I own four of them. Nice. Oh, I wish I had brought my mug. We went to Fred Meyer and we walked in and we're like, oh my God, there's Halloween stuff. And they were kind of cleaned out, but they had four of these glass skull mugs, like clear glass, like coffee, like heavy coffee mugs. Ooh. Like ceramic oh. coffee mugs. In my kitchen now. Nice. <laughs> Eric had one of those for years as her go-to coffee mug. Yeah, I put I a this- strawberry smoothie in it the other day. I'm like, ooh, that's nice and looking. <laughs> I have this amazing witch's cauldron coffee mug, but it is entirely too small. It's mm. not even like a full cup of coffee. It's annoyingly small. Tell me the volume of that mug because I actually have cauldron, witch's cauldron shaped coffee mug as one of my ceramic ideas, but too small is a thing that is a problem that I come across. So I would say its volume is maybe six and a half ounces. It's not even. Oh, that's way too. Oh, that's way too small. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like, give me like the dimensions because I don't know how to like make a ceramic item for volume. I only know how to make it for square inches. Oh, I don't know. Small. So, so tell me the 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 square inches of your mug. Figure out the math for her. That's what she's saying. Yeah, no, I'll get. I'll get my. Or or bring me the mug, and I'll just do it. Do the math myself. This is just a ploy for you to get this mug because I bought it at Target last year and I took a picture of it and you said, I want one of those. 
I do want one of those, which is why I'm plan- I want to make one. But now I have context of like, well, here is one, but it's too small. All right. Okay, I'll so here's that. what you do. You take your the mug that you like to drink out of because it holds enough. You put rice in it. And then you take a baggie or something and put the rice in the bag. And then when you're making the cauldron mug, you use the rice in the bag to make sure that there's enough volume inside. When you just blew my mind. Oh, my God. This is oh why she runs a film fest and we don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just solved yeah. like... 40% of my pottery problems right now. But Cable's right. It's why she runs film festivals and we run a free podcast. <laughs> but that's also like a resin casting trick. So someone taught me that like you get your container with your thing that you're going to cast and then you fill it with rice to figure out how much resin you need to make to fill it, to fill the space. Yeah, that's fucking brilliant. Like, right? Oh my God, that's amazing. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I have to remember that. I'm going to write that down. That's an amazing idea. Just use rice. It fixes everything. <laughs> rice does everything. fix everything. <laughs> it dries your phone out. Curry too spicy? Just eat more rice. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. When you're hungry, Indeed. you eat it. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> you need right. dessert? Soak some rice. Right? Mm. Add like a bunch of milk and sugar to it. Mm-hmm. It's insane, I mean. Mm. Well, now I'm hungry. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think happened well, last time <laughs> on the show, too. We were talking potatoes last time. I know. It became Baked Potato Fest last week. Now but it's going to become molasses. lifetime. No. Not right. <laughs> way to well, bring it back all the way around to the beginning, Bean. Well done. Was that at the beginning? That's fine. Um, yeah. Good. Perfect. Winning. Um, On that note, I think I'm going to the the chat so that I can go finish. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to wrapping up anyway here. So thank Thank you so much, Gwen. Thanks Thanks, for having me. Yeah. And really fun to talk to you guys. Yeah. You'll get to talk to us all weekend long because we'll see you there. Yep. We'll be (laughs) there. More, more of this. Everyone watching. um, I'm Gwen. When you see me at the festival, Come, come say hi. You can talk to me. People are always like, "You look so busy," but if you, you know, like I'm always up for chatting with people. So nice. That's great. And to also, know. listen to the show. Say hi to us too. I don't want to get the emails like a week later. Like I saw you at Lovecraft, but didn't want to bug you. Always, always yeah. with the after. They, they remember the rules. Yeah, no lurking. Come say hi. Okay, yeah, lurking's creepy. I mean, you guys hey. wouldn't be, you guys wouldn't be broadcasting the video part if you didn't want people to a know who you are and b tell them. Tell you that they know who you are, mm-hmm. right? Isn't yeah. that the whole point? Exactly. <laughs> no one, Gwen. No one does what we do if we don't want attention in the outside right. world and validation. Please, for the love of God, exactly. that's all we have. Come tell me what a snack I am. You know, whatever. Offer her some shrimp. Definitely. Well, no, no, no. You know what? If we've been in a theater all day and then you offer me some shrimp, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. What's the over under that Sack's going to bring a thing of like canned shrimp? And be like... <laughs> you know what? I, I I will never say no to a gift from Sack because Sack is a a a really good gift giver, but b a, a really great person. So and slightly broken, so he's our type. I mean, like, I can't, I, I'm not going to promise I'll eat it if he gives me like a sack of shrimp at the end of a film festival. 
I will quietly not eat it, but I will still appreciate it. And that's what but matters, if, right? But if it's canned, you can just, you know, put it in your purse, have some purse shrimp for later on. Oh, I mean, I'll take a can of anything. <laughs> All right, Gwen, we should let you go. <laughs> I'm just All like right. thinking about like, please don't bring unopened. Like, don't, don't bring shrimp. <laughs> no one bring any shrimp. <laughs> Do not bring shrimp. Don't don't ruin it for Gwen, you guys. So yeah. ruin it. <laughs> save save the shrimp for the cocktails. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Gwen. Okay. Thanks a lot for popping in. It was great to see you again. We will see you this weekend. Yep. Take All care, right. everyone. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was fun. I have I have like gone over a cliff of goofiness, you guys. Well, you know what? This is the perfect really? time before we wrap up to I had thank- noticed. I'm sorry. To thank, a, I guess to thank Asylum. Yes, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. It's yes. a great time to do that. So I got a really nice email from Anton mm-hmm. a few days ago. Uh, a, he and Deb are super happy to be back with Geek and City Radio, and we're happy to have them back. And then he was horrified to remember that uh, they started a website three years ago and never finished it. So don't go to that website. It's three years what? old. Uh, so uh, uh, just go to facebook.com uh, forward slash pdx asylum i also got their days open wrong so they are only open friday through sunday 12 p.m to 4 p.m those are their regular walk-in hours okay. but you can contact them through their facebook page and set up an appointment also if you have a different day you would like to go there uh, anton said they actually do a pretty fair amount of appointments because some, a lot of people just still aren't comfortable shopping which they understand uh, but uh, they are totally fine with with appointments. So, so should um, the appointments happen outside of their like standard their current standard hours, or I think will they actually? No, I don't. I believe they will not close their store for the appointment. It's if after their outside standard hours. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's what the appointments are for. Is we're open to the public these days, and then we schedule appointments on these days. So that yeah. way you can have your own shopping experience unencumbered with the, the general public. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Um, I want if to I were in the market to buy a lot of furniture, that is how I would do it. I would, I, that way I can just go in and take my time looking at the pieces that I want and then just buy the pieces that I want. Exactly. Yep. Without having to wait for, um, Bill and Linda to get the hell out of the way. <laughs> I was like, gonna oh, say they've like, been like standing a New York in front aristocrat. of aristocrat. Hmm? I was gonna say like a New York aristocrat. Oh. What the hell is a New York aristocrat? The I, thing I, just, I think I just made up. Rich New York people who, you know, can do things like close a place down to view the selection and buy things at will without the common folk coming around. Yeah, those people don't live in New York proper. They live in upstate New York and fly into New York York City when they want something. I don't know. I watch a lot of movies. Um, But you don't have to fly in from New York. You can go to 3713 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard across from the Baghdad Theater. And you don't have to be an aristocrat either. Heck no. In fact, they'd rather not cater to aristocrats. Yeah, be regular folk and go to an asylum where you can find amazing things uh, and buy them without being stupid rich. Yeah. Uh, I almost said the aristocrats. Um, I guess you can go there too if you're them. Just uh, leave your leave your act at home. 
Yeah, don't Hi. don't don't make that joke at asylum, please. Aristocrats. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if he just walked in and said, "And we're called the aristocrats," like I think Anton might enjoy that. He might just like, that ah. part, though. Just just the punchline. Yeah, not not, not a, yeah. the setup. Don't, yeah, no. don't take the setup to the aristocrats and try to do it at asylum. Look at Nobody that, Anton and Deb. It only it. took the second commercial for me to say something <laughs> awkwardly inappropriate. You're welcome. Thirty-seven, thirteen, no. Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. Yeah, when you go in there, uh, thank them for coming back to wrap up the year. They're gonna, yeah, they're with us through December, which is pretty awesome because it's coming into that 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 gift given time. So yeah, check them out. They have a lot of great stuff. Um. Some of their posts that are older. I don't know how many of these things they still have in stock, but I'm still eyeing those tumblers because I'm still looking for those classy like whiskey tumblers and stuff. So definitely going to be all those, over that. Those stemless wine glasses that just roll around. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they also, I don't know if they still do, but they used to have small little okay. desktop sized fireplaces. And I keep thinking of getting one for my office just so I can have a desktop fireplace. That sounds classy as hell. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. it does. So I'm writing my goofy, my goofy funny books. I can look classy doing it. Thirty-seven, thirteen, Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. Right across the street from the Baghdad Theater. That's right. Um, I uh, want to respond to the chat real quick. About shrimp. About about shrimp and shrimp adjacent items. <laughs> um, I will not accept ham flavored candy canes. Um. I don't know why I any nor nor will I accept turkey and stuffing flavored candy corn. Um, there were more. I feel like there were more. I will accept a gift card for endless shrimp at Red Lobster. Oh, um, oh that shrimp! And yes, yes, me with a mug of soda wine is peak bean, and um, the only thing I have to say to for, say for myself is I am out of wine. Deep, deep into unemployment, and uh, sometimes that just means drinking inappropriately. I thought you were going to say, so if you want to hire someone who only drinks out of Joe's Crack Shop Mason jars, I'm your gal. I like how this just suddenly became the beat. That would make me hire you if I had the finances to do it. How's that? I mean, that's been established. That's fine. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry if I am making it the bean show. I think that, that, I, I that that's just like I don't think that that's just like evidence that like when I get drunk, it's all about me. It, it's less work for me. Uh, I also suggest that I'm one amused. of those weekends, one of the days that we're at Lovecraft, uh, we go to the Moon and Sixpence because I have been jonesing for a Welsh rarebit for almost two years. Yes, absolutely. I, that I had already assumed that we're going out every night. Yeah, it's um, my last bachelor weekend, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, like, I, I figured, I thought I was, I thought originally that it was going to start at one o'clock on Friday as well, which I took the day off. I'm still taking the day off, so fuck it. Um, oh shit! You you, you want to you want to have your yeah. free rest before the party weekend? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Was that way like, you don't have to rally as hard. Mm-hmm. You're already primed for it. Yeah. Like, again, bear in mind, I'm 50. <laughs> so <laughs> you can do it. I, I, I am not trying to live like I'm still in my 30s. Or that it's you're not Denise. happening. 
<laughs> I am still in my 30s. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I did pick up maybe Friday afternoon. Pick I up what? A, I did get a copy of the um, the new Horrified. Oh. Oh. Yeah, with right. the, on. the mythological creatures. On sale at Target. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got the Target one. No, I know. It's it's not you. It's Target and Walmart and Amazon, and they insist on making deals with all of these game companies so that they get um, exclusives before companies who just make a living selling games. Well, now I feel bad. No, don't. You're fine. It's the one like, I didn't want to wait for. I don't. I don't blame you. <laughs> like, if I could walk into Target and get my same discount that I get at Guardian, I would buy it. That's true. I'm not going to. So that's like, also I, where I I took the picture of the Gargoyles game and sent to Bean. I don't know how it plays, but it's the same company. Oh, Ravensburger. Ravensburger, yeah. Ravensburger also made your Jaws game. So, yep, which is super keep, fun. Um, Ravensburger's licensed property games have been fairly solid. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that they're out of this world, um, but it also means like th- whoever's putting those together realizes that they they're working with the licensed property, so they have to make sure that the game is accessible, um, complex but not complicated, and uh, there's replayability in it. Otherwise, there's they're not going to sell those games. That's why Jaws is a fun game. Um, I haven't gotten to play it yet, but I imagine their Jurassic Park game plays similarly. Mm-hmm. Why Horrified is so... Like, it's not a complex game, or it's not a complicated game, but it's really fun to replay. And it's really fun to play with one player. Um, the I, one I, that I haven't tried out is the Wonder Woman and the the um, Challenge of the Amazons. Uh so a friend of mine that hopefully one day we'll find timing to get her on the show, uh, Kennedy Allen. She's a co-host at Woman at Warp and you mm-hmm. see when Black Tribbles was a thing. She's one of the co-hosts there. She picked that up and um, sent me a pretty nice, like started talking about it. And she was really impressed with that game, but it was, okay. it was really fun. It was a really well done game. So it looks pretty and yeah. it has, uh, I think it's a Jenny Frisson artwork on it the is. cover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which and then, Jenny Frisson's artwork is gorgeous. I don't know why, because I know I didn't order it. I maybe I'm on like a weird comp list for wizards, but I got both of the commander decks for the new Innistrad, like in generic cardboard boxes. Ooh, like not the fancy packaging you see in the stores. Yeah, yeah. It that. was literally it was a square, like a cube cardboard box. That just had Wizards of the Coast, plain writing, opened it up, and it was like the cards were wrapped up and the counter and the rule book. Hmm. I got I got Coven and the Undead one. So I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, so those are for Midnight Hunt, and then yeah. there are two more coming for Crimson Vow, which comes out in November. They're very Plug. pretty cards. Yep. Hi. Why are you so I'm excited to try Commander format? I've never played it before. Wait, you've never played Commander? No, I quit playing Magic altogether for like the last five years or so, so I've never played Commander. Okay. Bean, have you played Commander? You've played I Magic, yes. I've played Magic, but it's been like 19 years. 
I know we're going a little long now, and I'm I'm sorry. That's but okay. The, no, there's a reason that uh, Commander is the the big format, uh, especially with casual players, because it allows you to draw. You can put together a deck from the length and breadth of the history of Magic. Like they're they're banned cards, of course, if you're playing in tournament play, but no one cares if you're playing casually with friends. Um, instead of the rule of four, where you can only have up to four of any card, particular card that's not a non-basic land in a deck, it is a rule of one. You can only have one of any particular card except for non-basic lands. Um, and you, your deck also has to has to have a commander, and a commander is a legendary creature that's those gold bordered ones mm-hmm. and at least whatever two the colors yeah pardon and they have to be at least two colors too I no think. they can be mono oh they can oh okay yep the deck itself can only be the colors of the commander that's the rule right. so if it's a five color commander sky's the limit if it's a one color commander then it's all that color like I have a yeah. goblin deck that is all red and the commander is Krenko. Um, I have a five color uh, sl- sliver deck where the sliver queen is the commander. Ooh. See, that's where you can get really tribal with your decks and go nuts. Yes. And, and it's designed for that. And it's a, it's a 90 card deck, I think. 100. 100 okay. cards. The one they sent me were 90 each. Okay. Maybe that's the minimum. Yeah, probably. I've I also read one, that uh, Commander has the most uh, women players also. Maybe because it's casual and you're not dealing with, you know, douches. 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm curious to try it. And I've read that, like, the more people playing in one Commander game, the more fun it is because it's kind of a free-for-all. Yep. Uh, Wizards has also finally gotten to the point where they figured out how to make money on Commander. So that's one of the reasons why. For, they were losing money hand over fist on it because they – commander is designed to play with your library of cards that you don't have to buy new cards for. oh shit that's right i could build it just a ton of commander decks. exactly i might do that soon i actually highly recommend if you have a huge library of cards build a shit ton of commander decks and then sell them so sell the rest of your bulk cards yeah, maybe donate them to i'd rather you know. donate them yeah but you well, can cool. easily do that well, maybe we'll have a, a magic a magic day or something. Oh God! <laughs> oh, you'd like it. You get pulled right. No, back I in. would. No, I would love it. And that's why I'm like, oh God! Every time I think I'm out. Commander, like you can buy a pre the decks that he's talking about. Those are like uh, thirty five, forty dollars retail. Yeah. Or just go through mine. I have like two thousand cards. You want to build a deck? I went and retooled all of my old um, 60 card decks and turned them into commander decks. So I've got like a dozen of them and they're all tribal. Like it's vampires here, goblins there, slivers there. I think I turned my Oogie Boogie deck into a a commander deck. My bugs. My bugs, your Oogie Boogie deck? Yeah, it was Aaron's idea. Uh, I, I have what's called a stuffy doll. That represents mm-hmm. Oogie Boogie. Oh, I have yeah. a witch. I have a vampire, and I or a witch, a skeleton, and a devil. Devil. And then all of the other creatures are bugs. All of the spells are chance based. 
How did I not know about this? I love this. Yeah. It's all black and green. It's it's goofy as fuck, but I love it. Oh, I man. That's so good. I am 100% subscribed to this concept. Yep. All right. Then we're definitely doing it. Okay. Okay. Oh. All right. We should wrap up the show. Yeah. Because uh, I am craving another tasty adult beverage. So. Mm-hmm. Go see HP Lovecraft Film Fest if you're in town or watch yes. it online next week. And next week we're talking to Tom and Ed from Hour to Midnight, Escape Room Games, where we'll talk about what we did this last That's weekend. right. Man, it's as if we always come into our own this month. Right? It's like October <laughs> is our true it's form. Like, it's like the fall just plans itself. Yeah. That's it not does. true. That's not true. A lot of work has gone into this, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we actually ironically end up putting probably more work and planning into our fall shows than the whole year. It it almost makes me wonder why we don't take the summer off like other podcasts. But it you know there is a precedent has already been set. We're so. damn fools. Yeah. Those are but also we, podcasts that get paid. Also that. Yeah. Well with that, I'm Aaron Duran. <laughs> I'm Vitorita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. And we will talk to everybody next week. I am. Ouch.